Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Vina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, as we close out our trip to Germany, it's just me and the polar bear talking about a very interesting mommy situation. So in uh, last year, we did a mommy dearest kind of scenario where mommy was kind of the villain, mm-hmm. but... This is not the case in this particular episode. I mean, depending on the point of view. This is true. Some might say she might be a hero. I would say she's definitely a hero. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I would. So, and it's Polar Bear taking the lead here. (laughs) So he's a little nervous. He's a little nervous, but I'm holding his his paw. (laughs) (laughs) So he'll definitely get through this. So who are we talking about? So today is Marianne Backmere. Or Bechmir, however you... It's German. Yeah, it's German. And which is funny, that brings me to usually only have me here when it's Russian or German. Right. You know, we're we're always talking about Nazis and we're always talking about... Well, goddamn Nazis, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the Iron Curtain, as you like to say. Well, it was their thing. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess guess I'm destined to be here today. Well, and I don't know... Because I did not do any research on this. I just know, I mean, I did do some light reading a couple months ago regarding this topic, but this was more recent. So it wasn't like Iron Curtain Days. It was... um, The the incident that we're going to highlight. Yeah, incident was about 70s or 80s time. So, But I started from the beginning. I wanted to tell you a little bit about Marianne beforehand so she didn't have a super easy life to begin with and then it only got harder which by the way i don't think kids should be listening to our podcasts anyway right but today's episode you know listener discretion okay you know so yeah marianne backmere was born june 3rd 1950 in starstead germany her family fled from prussia to starstead because her father, he was a Nazi Waffen SS when during World so War II. So he was a goddamn Nazi. He was yeah, a goddamn Nazi. Okay. Yeah, and uh, he earned the Knight's Cross of the Iron Cross, which I hope he burned later. But whatever. Yeah. So Iron Cross is the highest award in the Nazi military during World War II, awarded for military valor and outstanding leadership. So mm. you hear Iron Cross. There's actually different levels of the Iron Cross. Okay. And this is the highest of the highest. So Okay, so he's a real motherfucker. Yeah, he did okay. some fucked up shit. Okay, all right. So yeah, the Prussians were on a mission to exterminate any former Nazi soldiers. Well, good for yeah, them. Yeah. Yes, go Prussians. Although, so, I honestly, 
I'm surprised Prussia was still around about this time. Because it's not around now. No, it's not. So, yeah, this was 50s. This was only six years after the war ended. Oh, no. So, no, she was born in 50s. So, they fled before that. Okay. So, they yeah. were on the run. Yeah, they, they, they were fled. He went to, the, she was to the homeland, apparently. Yeah, she was already born in Germany. So, yeah, he, you know, he escaped the Russian uh, thing. And then the Waffen-SS was in the lead division of the Nazi party. Like we said, he was the, the shit of the shit, I guess. It originally was comprised of so-called Aryan race of German origin only. However, during the World War II, other subdivisions were created. And, you know, the, the rules flexed a little bit to where it was uh, anyone who, whose country was occupied by Nazis could join. Okay. So it wasn't so just long as they met the race criteria. You know, yeah. Okay. So we're in Germany. <laughs> yep. So Marianne's father had really difficult time adjusting back to civilian life. Oh. That resulted in al- alcoholism, and pretty sure some domestic abuse. Because he couldn't kill any more innocent people. Okay, fucker. <laughs> yeah, you know, just took it out on the wife and the cat. Instead and the dog of taking it out on the poor innocent Jews. Okay. Yeah. Again, fucker. <laughs> Uh, her parents ended up getting a divorce, and her mother remarried, which, I mean, kind of sounds good, but then it didn't turn out too good for her because her new marriage wasn't exactly a fairy tale. Her new husband was a trucker and often abused her when he was at home. So Marianne wanted to continue her relationship with her real father, and she would often, like, skip school and leave to go to see her dad rather than be home with her mom and her new abusive husband so yeah marianne had a rough childhood she was growing up in an abusive household her parents occasionally would kick her out of the house where she would live on the streets for long periods of time not to mention that germany was a very poor country at this time it's right after world war ii right they're suffering from the dumbass mistakes that they made yeah you know i mean the country's in ruins after the war correct the the economy went to shit so they're just rebuilding and trying their best, I guess. Eventually they make it, but... Yeah. Right. But at this point, you know, not everything's cu- cupcakes and rainbows. No, and it shouldn't be, yeah. you know. So when Marianne was 16, she got pregnant from her boyfriend at the time who she went to school with. After a short while, her boyfriend ended up leaving her and the baby. And then her stepfather was furious with, with the fact that she got knocked up. So he uh, sent her away to, like, start an apprenticeship for a job rather than finishing high school or take care of the baby. He sent her away so she could learn her, some skills yeah, learn to some support skills. herself. Yeah. So while she was away, it's apprenticeship. At 18 years, she Marianne got pregnant again. While she was pregnant with her second child, she got raped while she was at, a, like, a party or a disco. Oh. And she, I guess she was pretty far along at that point. So this event caused her... Great trauma to the point where she attempted suicide. What sick fucker rapes a obviously pregnant woman? I mean, raping is not okay at all. Yeah, I don't even fucking. I'd, oh, poor girl. So okay. Yeah, she she attempted suicide. At this point, due to her mental state, she gave both of her children up for the adoption. The oldest, and after the the new one was born, she also gave up the new one for adoption. Well, that was probably a wise choice if she felt like she wasn't mentally capable. Mentally capable, financially capable, everything's going to shit. No, I mean, I think that is a pretty wise decision on her part. Yeah. 
And she's only 18. Even with the resources that we have today, 18-year-olds struggle with just one kid. I can't imagine what it was like when they didn't even have any form of support, especially in an impoverished nation. Mm-hmm. You know, no resources. So I think that was actually probably her best. Best choice, yeah. So after that much tragedy, Marianne's life finally seemed to mellow out when she uh, met a bar owner named Christian. The two fell in love and lived together on a small farm. I'm pretty sure they got married. This is where uh, Marianne had her third child, a girl by the name of Anna. And Anna is actually the centerpiece of our story here. You know, this was the silver lining of Marianne's life. They were doing okay financially. Anna was growing up on a small farm surrounded by animals. Everything seemed pretty, pretty happy. She finally has something good Some going piece, for her. Yeah. yeah, okay. It's going good. So Christian attempted to start a business where he bought a large boat, probably for like tourism or something, and invested most of their money into it. But the business failed, and they lost most of their money. So they went back to working at the pub. And so I don't know if Marianne was part of the ownership of the pub or she was just working there, but the the bar was actually doing really well, and they both spent a lot of time there. I think they ended up getting a divorce, and she was a single mother again. So Marianne worked long hours, and Anna was often left alone to fend for herself. So I assume she was uh, pretty smart and independent seven-year-old because, you know, her mother was always gone and she pretty much just did as she pleased. She often skipped school. May 5th, 1980 was one of those days. Anna decided to skip school again and go over to her friend's house. She and her mom just got into a fight earlier that morning, so it's very much possible that she did it out of spite rather than just wanting to skip school. So Marianne and Anna got into an argument. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was over over skipping school. Right, basically getting into trouble. Because, I mean, Anna worked late nights, and she liked to sleep in, you know, coming home really early in the morning, so she slept. She she wasn't able to take Anna to school. She had to do it all on her. Anna had to do it by herself. On her, yeah, her little lonesome. So on this morning, Anna didn't make it to her friend's house. She... Walked down the street, and she talked to a butcher that lived nearby by the name of Klaus Garbowski. So Klaus Garbowski had pretty disturbing criminal record behind him. Some of his offenses included sexual offenses against minors. In 1970, he attempted to kidnap a six-year-old girl who managed to get free of his grasp, made a huge scene, and ran away. And he was actually... He got caught for that, and I'm not sure what he got charged with. But 1975, he was charged with sexual abuse of two little girls. In court, they said that he couldn't control his uh, condition, and he was addicted. What? So, so during this time... The court is making excuses for this well, the Well, the defense. Oh, okay. So, yeah, at this point, you know, they, it's, the, it's the 70s and the 80s. So the country was going through their own like, yeah, sexual, but a pedo is a pedo. Sexual I don't... freedoms type thing. No, no, well, the fuck is happening? I know. <laughs> I'm on your side with this because he was addicted to uh, little girls. I guess 
he was sent to receive psychological treatment in, and pr- I'm pretty sure he went to prison, but then that's where he was getting psychological tr- treatment. During his con- incarcerated time, he volunteered for chemical castration, which is where they inject you with estrogen to reduce your sexual drive. And by volunteer, I don't think anybody raises their hand and goes, hey, yeah, ca- castrate me, you know? I feel like there was... Uh, some coercion on yeah, that Yeah, hey, part. you know, we're, we'll let you out early. Right, right, right. If you go through this thing. This program of ours. So he did that, and so he was injected with estrogen. He had to take some sort of hormonal pills, substitutes. Follow-up pills. Yeah. And Klaus was released and made a life for himself as a butcher in Anna's neighborhood. He found himself a girlfriend and actually found a doctor that reversed his castration. So just a couple years after he got released, you know, he met he met this girl and was like, oh, maybe we'll want some kids eventually or whatever else. He went to the doctor and tried to reverse his situation. Yeah, yeah, okay. Which he did, but he lied to the doctor, telling him that he had mental health support on the side. He wasn't just doing it just to do it. Imagine that a pedo fucking lying. Yeah, a lying pedo, right? Weird. Yeah, never heard of that. That's. You know, that's as much as I was able to find on Klaus because of his whole life was defined by by the following acts where what happens next. Yep, yeah, you can't, you, it should be because you're a you fucking know, pedo. Yeah. And but so you can't Google his name without having Marianne or Anna pop up. So on May 5th, 1980, like I said, Klaus began talking to seven year old Anna. Now, did they meet each other before? Like, was she and her mother a regular at his butcher shop or? I'm sure. I'm sure they they knew who he was, that, or they they knew of him, right? Because I mean, she owns the bar down the street. He owns a butcher shop right there. And then Anna was known to wander the streets all the time. Your mom was always working. Yeah. you know, she she got bored and she went and walked around. So it's unclear whether Klaus had cats at his house that Anna liked to play with, or that he, like, he told lied her? to her. Okay, and I said mean, again, imagine that. Yeah. So he had, used the cats as the lure. Yeah. Okay. He used the cats to lure into his house. Regardless whether he had a cat or not, she ended up inside his home where he had her for several hours and performed the most heinous of acts. It's said by some sources that he sexually assaulted Anna. I don't think that's confirmed, but it is confirmed that he strangled her to death with his girlfriend's tights. And then to dispose of the body... He actually hogtied the body, put it in a, a cardboard box, and then buried her somewhere else. Buried her where? <laughs> By some river or something. But so this poor girl, he probably did because that's what he does. Yeah. And, you know, he was, his castration what? was reversed. His castration was reversed only, you know, just a little bit before before the, these acts happened. So as soon as he was ready to go again, he was at it I mean, again. And he let the other ones live. So, I mean, clearly he was trying to hide her after... I mean, he had every reason to hide her, especially if he sexually assaulted her, which is, in my opinion, probably what he did. Yeah. And so his so his girlfriend came home early to surprise him. But Anna's body wasn't there already. But I think she caught him, like, cleaning up or, you know, doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing to where he had to confess to his girlfriend what he did. And what did she do? And she, she was obviously not okay with that. She went to the police. Oh, good. Smart and girl. And so she told them everything. But Klaus was still in love with this lady. 
And when she came back, she found a note saying, hey, meet me at this diner. I'll explain everything and we can make this work. What the fuck? Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's sick. Okay. He is. <laughs> it's I not his fault. I promise you, his <laughs> husband Jeff was like, I killed this child, but we can make this work. I, you're fucking gone. I will help the cops. I will point you out. I will, I will even sell your shit and sell, give the monies to your victim, motherfucker. You are gone. Yeah. Okay. Which is exactly what she did. Oh, so she She gave really? the notes to the cops, and they were waiting for him at the diner to show up, and that's where he got arrested. Great. Yep. Good job, girlfriend. <laughs> Good job. So, yeah, in March 1981, Garbovsky started his trial. He told the authorities that the reason he killed Anna was her own fault. Oh, okay. Th- there's a fucking argument there. Yeah, so he told them that seven-year-old Anna attempted to seduce him and then tried to extort him for money. That isn't even a fucking thing. So The child doesn't even know what extort means. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. So he said that Anna would have lied to her mom about him sexually assaulting her or touching her inappropriately if he didn't pay her a certain amount of money. And that fear of going back to prison... Or a mental institute is what drove him to kill her. Mm, Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Does that sure. make a lot of sense? Yeah, yeah. Or the fear of people finding her lifeless, raped body. You take your pick. The live person can say whatever version of events they want because there's no no alive victim to counter with the truth. No. That's the fucking heart of this situation here. What a fucking I don't I mean I don't even think I have words. Just unfathomable dickhead yeah and his confession obviously confessed to killing her because what she she was her extortion uh grabowski was extremely detailed about her death yeah he he said something like he like he heard something come out of her nose while he was strangling her and he didn't he couldn't stand the sight of her body anymore and that's why he disposed of the body or just tossing this little humdinger out there. Can't have the dead body of a child in your apartment. Just a thought. Yeah. I don't know. Common sense. It's just rough all around. So I'm not a Klaus fan. So <laughs> no, I, I don't know who is. Okay. <laughs> Marianne, who sat in the front row of the courtroom, was distraught for the duration of the court, like any mother would be. She yelled at, her, at Garbovsky, calling him a disgusting pig. Well, that's exactly what he is. Fucking pig. Yeah. The court lasted three days. So Friday morning, the 6th of March, 1981, was the third day of the court. And Marianne smuggled in a 22 caliber Beretta pistol into the courtroom. And I'm assuming it was a lot easier back then without metal detectors. Probably. There may have been like a quick bag check, but we know how well those work. Right. She looked like she was going to walk out of the courtroom. However, she changed direction. She walked to where Garbovsky was sitting. She pulled out the gun and aimed it at Garbovsky's back and fired the weapon. She unloaded on this guy from only a few yards away. Like, I think they said maybe 11 feet. So she had almost no chance of missing. She fired eight shots, seven of which landed on their mark into Garbovsky's back. Marianne tossed the weapon aside and surrendered to authorities immediately. 
Grabowski, on the other hand, slouched over and fell to the courtroom floor. He was dead before any kind of medical staff could make it to him. Bravo, mother. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo. She did what a lot of us think about or wanted to do. Right. So, yeah, a lot of people. Well, you know, I mean, this this woman kind of went through a lot of fucking shit. And he took, even though it was obviously a struggle for her, she was working hard, doing her best for this child. Yeah. And when you dedicate your life to somebody and this and they get taken away in this horrific fashion and you literally have nothing else. I, see I it. totally see it. I see it, yeah, where she had no more reason to live, no more reason to keep going and right. as you know, one last act that would matter. You know, she right. wanted vengeance or Bravo you know, Marianne. Yeah. So yeah, Marianne said that she wanted to shoot him in the face. But she I shot would have him in the for back. the brains. Yep. Yep. She, yeah. It was, yeah, she wanted to shoot him in the face. Her trial took some time. The reason her trial took some time is they didn't know, well, they were trying to charge her with murder because everything really kind of pointed at intent. She smuggled in the gun. And well, it's, I, it's not like that's it was, a fact. A, yeah, yeah, it's not like she, she, this was premeditated, premeditated without a doubt. Yeah. However, she actually got off with manslaughter, which was a lesser of the two sentences. Now, that is kind of curious. I wonder if the court was receiving a lot of flack because a lot of people probably saw this as justified. Well, yeah. Yeah. So the, it blew up. The, the case blew up. They may have been pressured into taking the lesser punishment or... Reducing I, the yeah, charges, reducing most the charges. definitely. But, I mean, there was also different laws because because of the Nazi laws that they had mm-hmm. it was they seen like like a sneaky way of killing would have a longer sentence because it was like a survival of the fittest so if you were if you just came out and murdered somebody you should get a lesser sentence than somebody who's like sneakily just right just poisoning so basically somebody or they're like promoting that. public executions and be like hey yeah you <laughs> saw what I did you know. And but one of the other things that a lot of people don't understand is those who confess, mm-hmm. the state recognizes that this person just saved them money. And and, and it's a thing, mm-hmm. you understand. A lot of district attorneys won't prosecute certain cases because there isn't sufficient enough evidence to get a win. And they want to focus all of their resources on what they know is going to be or close to a win. Mm-hmm. They don't want to waste their money and limited resources on cases they don't think is going to win. So when they get someone to confess or, I mean, at some point in time I could see, you know, an open murder or killing, it, it helps kind of reduce the, the process, sp- yeah. the spending. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand they you know, they pay for police officers, they pay for security, they pay for expert witnesses, and, you know, there's a limited budget. And so, to some degree, I can understand why this law would be in effect, because, you know, if you confess, you just expedited every a lot of things, and that's how come sometimes you are able to negotiate a lesser sentence. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that happens here in America. Yeah, makes sense. Originally, Anna's murder case was 
a small case and didn't get a lot of traction. But after Marianne Vigilante Act, the case got a lot more traction. Blew up. Marianne gained quite a fan base with her actions. And within like the first week of the incident, her fans donated approximately 100,000 marks to help her with her court expenses. Now, in case you don't know what marks are, that was the German, German currency Currency at that time. Now they use the euro, but German marks, yeah, the mm-hmm. Dutch, Dutch marks. Yeah, yeah, DM Dutch marks, yeah. When asked to provide a writing sample in court, Marianne wrote, I did it for you, Anna, with seven, seven stars, one for each year of her life. During the trial, that attracted a lot more attention. Marianne did not shy away from the cameras like a regular person would. She seemed to enjoy the attention. Well, I mean, she's owning it, I think, to some degree. Yeah, I did it. And I'm standing here to stand trial for it. So Yeah, before the podcast, you and I were talking about the picture that that we saw of her. Right, where she's looking over her shoulder and like almost smiling. Yeah, smirking. Right. It was almost, you know, she was proud of what she did. Marianne ended up selling her life story for approximately 250,000 marks while she was incarcerated. And then Marianne never showed any remorse for murdering Garbovsky, which she shouldn't. I wouldn't. She said in some interviews that she's sorry that she had to kill him, but she's not sorry that he was dead. After getting out of prison, Marianne got married and moved to Nigeria in the late 80s. So night. wait, she only spent like six years or something? Yeah, the the I, did I not mention that? Yeah. So the manslaughter sentence was six years in prison. Okay. Which is not terrible. Well, not you're bad. at a woman's prison, and you know who knows what prison life was like in Germany. Yeah, you're not wrong, but you know, <laughs> it's not twenty five years. Right. No, it's almost worth it. <laughs> almost. <laughs> So, 80s, she moved to Nigeria with her husband. In the 1990s, she divorced her husband and moved to Palermo, Sicily. She didn't want to come back to Germany because she didn't want to be known as Anna's mother. So, she moved on. Yeah. She didn't want to. She wanted to have her own, you know. I don't know if it was too traumatic or, you know. I can only imagine, and, you know, she took ownership, and she moved on, and, I mean, she still lost her child. Yeah. That's the bottom line here. The child's not coming back, no matter what she did. Right. And she, I'm, I'm sure she just wanted to put those chapters behind her. Right. Exactly. And a lot of the sources say that after all that, she she didn't talk about Anna that much. I mean, she, she still did interviews and stuff, but most of it was about herself. Probably, like, right, after... But, I mean, so, after some people... That ahead. section of her life was yeah done. But, I mean, some people seen it as, like, vain. Like, she just wanted to talk about herself, and, you know, she wanted the attention, and she wanted everything else, you know. But, I mean, that much trauma, I don't, I don't see why she would want to bring bring it up over and over and over and over. Rehash, again. rehash. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't. Right. But she did ended up end up moving back to Germany where she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and that's what killed her. She passed away on September 17th, 1996, at the age of 46. And 
she actually had her last days at the hospital filmed by some production company. So that was another thing that people said were pretty uh, self-absorbent cause mm. and self-pity because she wanted her last days fi- filmed for everybody to see. Well, you know, just so people understand, cancer is a fucking bitch, especially in the 90s. But more importantly, certain types of cancer, like pancreatic cancer, is very painful. And those who don't think what she did was justified could easily turn around and say, well, that's karma for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I think it is? No. I don't think that was fair that her life ended that way. Um, However... You know, the sad part is the older I get, but I'm still young. Uh, (laughs) There's so much unfairness, and it's hard. It's really hard to to just exist in this pool, this cesspool of unfairness and the bullshit you got to put up with. So, but that's it. That's Uh, our story for tonight. For today. So on to business. Uh, I guess. I mean, if you, you know, please share your opinions and thoughts and everything else, you know, kind of want to hear other people's perspective on this story. Right. I mean, I, I obviously I didn't deliver every piece of information, but I encourage you to get out there on the World Wide Web <laughs> and, you know, gather everything. Let us know how Let, the polar bear really did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You forgot this and you forgot that. <laughs> I, I'm said. sure. I'm sure I forgot a lot. <laughs> but that was that was the meat and potatoes of the story. You know the panda says that a lot. The meat, meat and, and potatoes. potatoes. Yeah. Because that's what they said in class. Do you do you want do you want to learn everything or do you want the meat and potatoes and then go fuck around for the rest of the day? <laughs> Give me the meat and potatoes. We obviously went to two different high schools. <laughs> Anywho, all right, on to business. We have a Facebook page, so Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. If you are curious or interested and like to join, send us a request. But in the meantime... If you have a topic you'd like to discuss, please email us at... Where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Look at that. That was, like a, that was like who was pulling from the dark <laughs> ages or something for that. <laughs> Also, too, before we do final thoughts, I do want to mention that we're kind of starting to do bloopers <laughs> after the closing music. So if you heard, if you, I mean, in theory, listen to the cursed jewelry one, there's a, one or two bloopers. Did you put one in there? Yeah. 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 We talked about it. Right. So if you see more time after the closing song it is because we're starting to do bloopers at the end post episode can you cut that out and put in the back that's exactly how i do it perfect that's exactly how i do it so but (laughs) final thoughts polar bear hold on so on the bloopers it's going to be a lot of ums and ahs and ah shit and well yeah some (laughs) but not uh, i mean part of what my co-hosts don't understand that for every um it's a lot of cutting cutting (laughs) and pasting and estimating and redesigning (laughs) one of these days i'll have them do it to see how painful it can be that sounds rough but yes so some of the what the fuck was i saying or where was i going with this 
what did I write here? Kind of scenario yeah. on the on the bloopers. Mispronouncing a lot of words. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just say he. He. <laughs> <laughs> so anywho. All right. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think the lady was a hero. No, she took a lot of balls to do what she did. A lot, you know, a lot of guts that other people don't have. Right. I I like the story. I know a lot of stories that we do. We have a lot of female victims out there, and she was on the other end of the stick. Not only that, I think part of what it is is she took absolute control of this situation, and she understood the consequences, and that's why she dropped the gun and basically allowed them to take her because here you go. Yeah. Get some respect points for me. Right. All right. So until next time, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are.